The blood works. The blood works. It'll wash away your sins. It'll take away your past. He'll cleanse your life. It'll heal, deliver, save marriages. Oh, yes, it will. If he'll let the blood work in you. Oh, yes, it will. My, what a God we serve. Thank you, choir. Come on, put it up. What anointed singing. My, my. Lord bless Sister Williams, the choir, and all the musicians, etc. Just what anointed playing, what anointed singing. We're so blessed. We're blessed at the sanctuary. We're blessed. Amen. I think what I love most about it is they believe what they're singing. It's not just a song. And then one step better than that, they have experienced what they're singing. Not just notes on a keyboard, words on a paper. It's a life. It's a life. You can feel it flowing. Jesus said out of the innermost being. What a power, what a grace. First, or book of Titus, chapter 2, verse 11. We're going to continue by the help of the Lord from Sunday. And uh, we'll probably be on this for a few weeks, Lord willing. But it's important we understand these things. It's important we receive this from the Word of God. There is so much falsehood, so much uh, unbiblical teaching that people just believe and assume and just receive and you say well you know if they're ignorant God will that'll be all right God will forgive no no he won't he says he no longer winks at ignorance he doesn't wink at ignorance anymore because the grace the Bible says grace as we will read here today hath appeared unto all men God don't wink anymore done winking he expects you to get up and obey and respond and do what he's called you to do. He did his part. It's called Calvary. It's called Calvary. He did his part. He could have called on the angels, and the Bible says 10,000 angels would have come to his rescue and pulled him up out of this world into the heavenlies. He didn't have to die on that cross. He died because he loves me and you. Let's everyone stand, if you will, if you're physically capable, if you would stand for the reading of the word, I'd appreciate it. If not, completely understand, just stand in your heart. Titus chapter 2, verse number 11, for the grace, everybody say grace. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation, say bringeth salvation, hath appeared unto all men, teaching, say teaching. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. He didn't bring grace to leave us in our sin. He brought grace to redeem us, to take us out, to bring us out of iniquity and purify under himself a peculiar people, zealous, and everybody say good works. I know that's a Christian cuss word, works. 
And that's what the religious world will tell you. There's no such things as work when it comes to God. Let me tell you, everything about God is work. God hates laziness. Read the word of God. He hates it. Everything about God is work. Verse 15. These things, Paul tells Titus, writing to him, what things that grace bringeth salvation. That grace teaches us to live godly and soberly and righteously in an ungodly world. He told Paul, I mean, Paul told Titus, he said, Titus, these things. He said, speak them, exhort them, rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Preach the word and let them hear what truth is. So at least they can make a decision of rejection or exception. But we live in a world today where people don't even have that choice because they're not even hearing truth. So I tell you this morning, if God has led you to this house today, it is because he loves you and he sees a hunger in your heart and he knows that you desire him and he's brought you here because you want to go higher on a plane. You want to receive more of him. And God says, okay, let's Let's go hear the word. Let's make a choice. Put your hands together for the Lord. Father, bless the word today. Use your servant, God. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Stay with me today. So been, we talked about grace a little bit on uh, last Sunday. I encourage you to go to the uh, to the YouTube channel of the Sanctuary of the Palm Beaches if you were not here last Sunday and uh, watch the uh, message of last Sunday. We learned that grace is divine influence upon the heart. Everybody say divine influence. Grace is not when God just allows you to stay in your sin and on a daily basis just sort of cleanses that sin and you just promiscuously and voluntarily uh, continue to live in sin. No, that's not what grace is, not at all. And we're going to learn that. Grace is godly influence upon your heart. Grace is that God comes to your life and says, that's wrong, this is right, that's wrong. Do it this way, don't do it that way. This is how you draw close to me. This is how you worship. These things you shouldn't do. They displease me. They're an abomination to me. These things you should do. I love them and I will bless you and I will help you. That friend is grace. Grace is not leaving you in your sin so that one day you will eventually take your last breath and open your eyes in an eternal hell. That's not grace. The Bible says that grace bringeth salvation. Everybody say bringeth. We learned that that word bringeth means to protect. So what does grace do? Grace comes to me and you and begins to protect us. How does it protect us? The Bible tells us how it protects us. It protects us by beginning to teach us. This word grace is only found one time in the Old Testament. All the other places of the Old Testament where grace is used, uh, it just simply means to be kind. But there's one 
one place in Ezra chapter 9, verses 1 through 8, where the word grace is used, that has the same root meaning as the word grace that is used throughout the entire New Testament. And so Ezra, he writes in the book under the anointing of the Spirit of God, and he says, now when these things were done, the princes came to me saying, the people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have what? Have not separated themselves from the people of the land, doing according to their abominations. What prompt uh, Ezra to talk about grace? The fact that Israel, who was the redeemed of God, who was called out and separated, were now continuing to live uh, in uh, abominations, uh, according to verse 1. Verse 2, Ezra talks about the sins of the people. Verses 3 through 7, Ezra prays. But look at verse 8. And so Ezra says to the people, I want to tell you how much God loves you. For now, everybody say now. For now a little space of grace has been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. And so Ezra comes to Israel and he says, I want to tell you what grace is. Grace is that God has held back his judgment for a moment and that God has given you an opportunity to say I'll change my ways I'll repent of my sins I will follow you Jesus Christ that is grace. We learned in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, that Paul says, don't receive the grace of God in vain. How can we receive the grace of God in vain? He goes on to talk about it. He says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. How do I receive the grace of God in vain? By refusing the moment, by refusing the time that God gave me, by Continuing to live an ungodly life, rejecting the ways of God, rejecting the things of God, continuing in a life of sin. That's how the grace of God comes to me in vain. And so I beckon to every one of us in the house of God today that if you feel the tug of God, it is His grace, it is His love, it is His mercy that has come to you and says, I'm giving you a moment, I'm giving you a time. Respond. Come to me. Let me bless you. Let me forgive you. Let me heal your heart. Clap your hands to the Lord. Come on, give God praise, will you? Everybody clap. Come on. Come on, let's praise him for a moment. Praise him for a moment. Come on, praise him. Praise him. Pastor needs the spiritual ones today. I preach messages like this. I need you. Tell your neighbor, the word of God needs your response. It's what stirs up, stirs up the move of God that comes. And so we find that not everybody repents. Esau didn't. Jezebel didn't. And then 
uh, Judas, well, the Bible says he repented, but it was only repenting of the fact that he had gotten caught and done wrong. He had not truly repented unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, God gives us a moment. He gives us a space. I love this. He said, I'm going to leave you a remnant. I'm going to leave you some strength. I'm going to leave you the ability. Grace says, you say, well, I'm bound. Grace says, I can break that bondage. You say, well, I'm addicted. Grace says, I can crush that addiction. You say, well, I've done so much wrong. I can never be forgiven. Grace says, I can fix your past. You say, well, I'll never get out of this. Grace says, I've got a way of escape. I've provided a way out. The beautiful thing about God is he never leaves us excuses. First Corinthians 10 and 13. There have no temptation taken you, but such as come unto man a little further down. But will with the temptation also make with the temptation a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. I've come to tell you grace. The Bible tells us in another place where sin abound, grace doth more abound. It doesn't matter where you you're at. It doesn't matter how bound you are. There is enough grace of God in this place to fill your life with his glory and with his power. There is enough grace to change your past, redirect your future, and bless your presence. God is here with his grace. Somebody shout grace. Jesus provided that way out upon Calvary. I love what uh, Ezra says. He says, God has given us a nail in his tabernacle, a place of sureness, a place of strength. Look at Zechariah chapter 10, verse 4. Out of him came forth the corner. Of course, we're talking about the Messiah. Out of him came the nail. Out of him came the battle bow. Out of him, of, out of him, every oppressor, oppressor, he gathered together and destroyed and conquered. What are you saying, pastor? I'm saying through Jesus Christ, there's nothing you cannot overcome through the power of the blood. There is no sin that cannot be cleansed. No addiction that cannot be removed. You say, but, but pastor, I'm afraid. I'm afraid if I get in, I won't stay. That's why I love that verse. God said, I'm going to take a 16-penny nail. I'm going to take a stake, a railroad stake, and I'm going to drive it into the post of the tabernacle, and I'm going to hang you on it, and nothing's going to move you. Nothing's going to touch you. Nothing's going to get you out. He said, you're in my hand and no man will pluck you out you're under my wings and no enemy will get you as long as you follow me love me my grace will keep you now watch the Bible says that grace Come 
to teach. Now, if grace is a teacher, then there's one thing that God understands. We are the learners. Now, what does that mean? That means God isn't looking for perfection. Perfected people don't have to learn anything. You're perfect. There's probably one sitting next to you now. Perfect in all their ways. I got an old song I used to listen to when I was a kid. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in all your ways. I've met a few of those. At least so they feel. Grace isn't looking for perfection. Grace is looking for someone, watch me, who is continually willing to learn. No matter how long you live for him, are you willing today to hear the voice of God and to learn something new and let it become a part of your innermost being? No matter how long you've known him, no matter how religious you've been, grace wants to know, will you learn? Will you learn? Will you learn? Will you let him teach something today to your heart? Oh, let's praise him. Let's praise him. He said, I'll drive a 16-penny nail. Well, he set a nail into a, into a board. I will fasten you. I will grip you. That's what grace will do for you. Psalms 13 and 3. Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep of the dead. Ezra said, not only will he nail us to a post, but he will lighten our eyes. He will give us illumination. Look at Luke 24 and 31. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us? While he talked with us, by the way, while he opened up the scriptures to us, did our heart not burn? What is that? God, the grace of God has come to teach you. The grace of God has come to reach you. The grace of God has come to do something incredible in your life. You will see in the weeks to come, the grace of God has come to lift you higher than you have ever been. Further out of sin than you have ever gone. You say, but pastor, there's not sin in my life. You have just sinned. Because James tells us, if you say there's no sin in your life, you are a liar. And you call him a liar. Yes, there is sin. And the grace of God every day works with us, teaches us, helps us. You heard Sister Smith up here today when she was talking about homeschooling. She said, well, I homeschooled my kids. God was talking to me. God was teaching me. She had served God all of her life. What's happening? The grace of God comes and said, I want to teach you something else. I want to show you something else. I want to bring you higher. I want to bring you closer. And that's what grace does for each and every one of us every day, the grace of God bringeth salvation. Why do I have to learn every day? Because he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. 
Why does the grace of God bring salvation to me? Because it never stops teaching me. It never stops showing me until I take my last breath. Even on my deathbed, grace will come to me and teach me one last thing before I enter this place. John chapter 8. In verse 36, Ezra said also, I'm going to move on here in a second. Leave it little reviving in our bondage. I love the grace of God. Verse 36 says, if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I don't care what kind of bondage you're in. It doesn't matter what is around you. Grace will come into the middle of your bondage, and it will bring freedom to you. It will bring peace. Listen, I want to tell you what grace will do for you. You may be living in a very difficult situation at home, and when you leave here today, it's going to be the same way. The same mean old man's going to be home. The same nagging woman is going to be at home. The same rebellious drug addict child that you love with all your life and heart is still going to be at home. Your trouble's not going to change but grace can come to you today and in the middle of your trouble grace can give you peace and grace can give you strength and grace will give you endurance so that the trouble around you will not bring you down the trouble that surrounds you will not destroy you the difficulty that comes to you will not rip your life apart beyond repair and the reason why I know that is because in this building today are women and men who have gone through the most difficult trials of life but they're still here today because grace grace came grace secured grace blessed grace gave strength and grace taught I wish we'd praise him for a moment will you do that Will every voice open up? Will every mouth praise him? Will every heart praise him right now? Somebody shout out grace. If I say grace teaches. You know, if you're going to understand grace you're going to have to understand where it came from and what its purpose was and is John chapter 1 verse number 17 the word of the Lord says for the law was given by Moses but grace and truth now watch watch what John is saying grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now, wait a minute. Or is that separate? Are you saying the law was not true? The law came by Moses. But truth came by Jesus Christ. So are you saying the law was not truth? Of course it was truth. So what is John saying? He's saying the only thing Moses brought was the law. Do it. Or die. That's it. But when Jesus came, he brought grace with the law. He didn't change the law. I'll show you that scripturally in just a moment. He didn't deny the law. He didn't deny the prophets. He didn't do away with them. He came to fulfill them. 
the Bible tells us. Grace and truth came with Jesus Christ. So with the law, Jesus introduces grace. What is grace? Grace is the teacher of what the law really means. Old Testament, obey or die. New Testament, God says, I'm going to talk to you about it. I'm going to show you why it's important to do it. I'm going to be patient with you. I'm not going to kill you because you pick up a stick on the Sabbath day. I'm not going to kill you because you used my name in vain. I'm not, I'm not going to kill you because, well, all these death sentences, right, that come with, because as a child, you disobeyed your parent. In the Old Testament, they drug you out in the street, and they stoned you, and your mommy and daddy threw the first stone. But in the New Testament, with truth comes grace. And grace says, I'm going to give you a little space. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to show you why it's important. I'm going to let you see that when you do these things that are wrong, I'm going to show you how detrimental they are to your life. But when you do what's right, I'm going to show you the blessings that are going to come into your life. And so with the law, I'm going to bring grace. And I'm going to teach you the law gave by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Think not that then he continues on, right? That's verse uh, 16, I believe, verse 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law. This is the Lord Jesus Christ that is saying this. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. I'm so sorry, Matthew 5, 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law. Jesus is speaking. Or the prophets, I am not come to destroy them. I have come to fulfill them. The law came by Moses. Grace and truth came by Jesus. Christ the truth was the law and the commandments of the Old Testament wrapped in grace you didn't do away with the law like religion teaches you today and they teach you it doesn't matter how you live or where you go or how you dress or what you what you eat you can drink beer smoke drugs destroy your body your brain dress like a harlot or some guy that thinks he's foxy or guys foxy studs some guy that thinks he's a stud dressed in a lustful, ungodly way. And I, you know your pastor. Just stay with me. I know I'll get crazy sometimes. I'm just upset about these crazy religious people that preach this ridiculous mess. And they allow their people to live in sin. And they're going to die and go to hell because the preacher's a coward. He's more interested in their money, more interested in their praise, more interested in them loving him than he is standing up and preaching the unadulterated word of God. In love and in passion and by the grace and the mercy of our Savior. The mercy, the grace of God comes with the law, shows us. What it is we need to do. He didn't do away with all the prophets. He said, I have come to, I have come to fulfill them. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 16. I've got to continue. I'm trying to give you a foundation so I can teach to you about grace. This is the covenant that I make with them after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their heart. Wait a minute. I thought the Old Testament's done away with. I thought the law of the Old Testament was done away with. What laws do you think God's talking about right there? He says, when I put my spirit in you and the grace of God comes to you, I'm going to write my laws across your heart. I didn't do away with the law. I put it in you. 
I took it off a tablet of stone and I put it up on a heart of flesh. Oh my God, I wish I had. Anybody believe this? Am I alone up here? Get on your feet and clap your hands, Brother Mark. God, I feel like I'm by myself in an apostolic church. The law of God stands today. It is still real, and it's in our heart. Those men are going to stand before God and they're going to be judged for every soul they preached to. And they held back this truth. He said, I'll put my law into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. Look at Corinthians chapter 2 verse 13. Which things also we speak not in words which man's wisdom teacheth but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. So grace comes through the power of the Holy Ghost. How do you know that? Because grace is the teacher. For the grace of God has come. Appear to all men teaching. It's his grace. The Holy Ghost teacheth comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolish unto him. Neither can he know them. Uh, because they are spiritually discerned. John 16 and 13. How be it. When he the Spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. Uh, he will. For he, he shall speak not of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear. That shall he speak. He will show you things to come. Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Titus chapter 3, verse 4. But after that, the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards men appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy which he saves us by the washing and the regeneration of the renewing of the Holy Ghost. How then, how is this grace of God implemented into our life? It is through the power of the Holy Ghost. It is through the blood of Calvary when you are baptized in the name of Jesus the carnal mind cannot receive the things of God the grace of God comes to teach us but it cannot teach a carnal mind the grace of God cannot come to a sinner that's the mercy of God. Mercy comes to a sinner. Mercy says, I will forgive you. Mercy says, I will not judge you. Grace does not come until the Holy Ghost. Why? Because that's when God enters into your life and begins to teach. God cannot teach the carnal mind anything. That's what's wrong with religion today. They've done away with the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It's not necessary. It's the icing on the cake. There's only a few Pentecostal churches where in the midst of them, there might be five or six of them that have the Holy Ghost. If you have the Holy Ghost speaking with the evidence of tongues, will you stand? If you have ever spoken tongues in your life, will you stand? This is why you need your family in an apostolic church. 
Clap your hands to the Lord and give God praise. I hope you see this on camera. This is how every church ought to be. When you say, if you ever received, remain standing for a second. If you say, if you ever received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, this is what your congregation ought to look like. 80% of your people ought to stand to their feet and praise their God for being filled with His power. You can be seated. You ask that in your church, and only three or four people are able to stand. You're wasting your time preaching. Because the carnal mind cannot receive the things of God. And it's only after the Holy Ghost comes into your life that grace enters into your life and begins to teach you. It has appeared unto all men. It desires to teach and show all men. It desires to love all men. But it can only work in the lives of those who have given their life unto him and allow his spirit to come into their life. Everything else is mercy. This is the grace of God that bringeth salvation, the Bible says, and hath appeared unto all men. Everybody say all men. Let's stand. I should, I'm sorry, I should have left you standing. Music, if you'll come. How do we receive that grace? Hopefully next week we'll preach on grace. Let's stand, everybody. How do we receive that grace? How does grace come into our life? How do we get God working in our life? Don't misunderstand me. Mercy's awesome. <laughs> Even with grace teaching me, I use mercy every day. Thank God His mercies are renewed daily. Because I mess up every day. Every day. Every day. I said, Lord, I really didn't mean to think that. I really didn't mean to say that. I really didn't mean to act that way. He's not as stupid as I called him. God, you know, Lord, have mercy, forgive me. Mercy forgives. Grace starts teaching you. Grace says, why don't you look at your own ignorance before you call somebody else ignorant? Grace can be tough sometimes. Grace says, hey, Bo, when we get done pulling the beam out of your eye, we'll worry about the splinter that's in your brother's eye. That's what grace does. Mercy forgives, but grace steps into your life and begins to fix things. Grace rebukes, grace instructs, grace corrects, grace brings understanding. That's what grace does. And that's why grace bringeth salvation, because grace will continue to teach you to the day you take your last breath. Grace will. Grace will. How do we receive this? They ask that same question in the book of Acts. You're here today. I, I want you to listen to me closely. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I want you to listen to me closely. And why do we say the evidence of speaking in tongues? Because the Bible talks about the fact that that is the evidence of receiving His Spirit. Many of us are touched by God and we receive joy. Sometimes we're healed. 
We can even be delivered of things. The Bible talks about this in the book of Acts, chapter 8, chapter 10, chapter 19, chapter 11. Talks about the wonderful miracles. And you would think they all had the Holy Ghost, but the word of the Lord said that there was none of them received the Holy Ghost until Peter showed up and laid hands on them. You mean they were healed, delivered, had joy, they danced, the power of God, all these things were there, and not one of them had received the gift of the Holy Ghost. So God can come on you and bless you and touch you and do incredible, wonderful things to you, but until you open yourself up to him and truly give your heart and your life over to him and you lay down religion and you lay down tradition and you lay down the old world and the old man and God is everything to you. It's not hard to receive. We have one receive it nearly every week in this altar, receiving of the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then the grace of God enters into your life. And from that day forward, and this is the beauty, and this is why we're just starting on this, because it's grace that comes into your life and begins to walk with you every step of the way. And grace begins to slowly do what? Move you off the old path, the old ways, the old desires, huh? the old way of living, the old way of thinking. And God begins to remove you slowly off of that path. And he puts you in a direction that will bring glory to his name through your life. It ought to be when men look at you, they glorify the king. They ought to know you're the child of God. And then they really better know if they ever talk to you. That's when they really need to know. If they ever talk. How do I get this grace in my life? You repent. Repent? Yeah. That's when mercy shows up. Mercy says, yes, I forgive you. I forgive you. And then you're baptized in the name of Jesus. And you say, well, I didn't bring an extra set of clothing. You don't need it. We have robes. You're given a robe. You'll, you'll go down in the water. We have a baptism outside this door, you'll go down in the water in the name of Jesus Christ. The blood of Calvary will be applied to your life and your past is washed away. Mercy. You come up out of that water. The Bible says the old man stays down. The new man rises. And the word of the Lord says after you repent, you're baptized in Jesus' name that you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises to you your children them that are afar off as many as the Lord God shall call that means everybody God calls this promise is for them he never changed that never changed it man changed it man changed it but his word doesn't change when he makes a promise, it's eternal. And he says, this promise of you receiving my spirit, it's for you. It's for your children. It's for those that are in foreign countries. It is for everyone that God will ever call. And when the Holy Ghost comes into your life, he writes his law across your heart. But wait a minute. 
That doesn't mean you understand everything. That just means he gave you the book. But how do you, how do you learn? How do you read? How do you understand? Grace steps into your life. And grace says, let me show you what that means. Let me talk to you about that. Oops, 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 you messed up. That's okay. I'll give you space. I'll give you time. As long as in your heart, you're hungry. In your heart, you desire. God says, I'll wait. We'll do this again later. And then he'll revisit with you again. Then he'll revisit with you again. Until finally, we learn. And then he goes on to the next one. Because we will be learning as long as we are breathing. The grace of God. And so the Bible says, every eye closed, every mind on God. The Bible says... Don't let the grace come to you in vain. Don't feel my tug on your heart and refuse. Come. Come. I took the time to visit you today. I, I took the time to talk to you today. The Lord says it. You, you're wondering why, you know, well, is, do I really need the Holy Ghost? Should I really, you know, seek after something like that? And God says, I heard you. I heard you when you asked in your heart. And I've come to tell you that as much as this may hurt, without my spirit, you're none of mine. Why is that? Because I can't teach the carnal mind. I've got to get into your mind. i got to write my law on your heart. i got to write my law on your mind so that I can begin to teach you spiritual to spiritual. I need you to begin to understand. I need you to begin to be able to receive. And I need to make you mine so that I can instruct you, love you, rebuke you, correct you. And because you're mine, you won't run away. Because you're mine, you'll stay. Because you're mine, you'll receive chastisement. And you'll understand it's because I love you. Because you're mine, you'll go through things, but you'll stay. Because you know I love you, and I'm, I'm just here to help you. This is what God is saying today. This is what God is doing today. I wish you would step out from wherever you are. And saying of God, maybe you're standing next to someone, and you would just like to maybe lead them and say, come, let's go pray. Let's just go talk to God. And I wish we would just step out from where we are. Let's come talk to God about His grace, about Him teaching us. You know, you know, there's not one of us in this building that God isn't teaching us something. There's not one of us that God isn't speaking to our hearts, that the Lord isn't trying to show us something. I don't want His grace to come to me in vain. I don't want His grace to come to me in vain. I want to respond to the grace of God that's come to teach me His ways, come to show me His ways, to come and bless me and touch me and minister in the grace of God. I will, will you come? Will you come receive the grace of God? Will you make your way down and just receive the 
receive his grace, receive his love. Lord, I love you, God. I praise you. Thank you for coming down, sanctuary. Thank you for coming down. God bless you. Come and pray. Seek the Lord. God, we love you. Lord, your grace. Lord, your grace, your grace, your grace. Your grace speaks to us. Your grace ministers to us. Your grace touches us. Your grace blesses us. Thank you, Lord. 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 Try not to clog up my aisles. Don't stand right there in the aisle. Come forward a little bit. God, we reach for you right now. Let's give the Lord a moment. Let's give the Lord a moment. Every mind on God. Every mind on the Lord. Who knows what God is going to do in this altar today. If we'll give him a little space, a little time, the Lord will move. He gives us time. He gives us space. Lord, we need you. Come, God. Come, move upon this congregation. Move upon your precious people. Move upon us, Lord. Move upon us, oh God, with your love. Move upon us with your love. How we praise you. How we adore you, Lord. How we adore you, Lord. How we adore you, Lord. How we love you. How we love you. How we love you. How we love you, Lord. How we love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus, you are wonderful.